Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. And I have the privilege of inviting Chuck Wysong, who many of you, if you don't know this fella, he's worthy of knowing, that's for sure. Yeah, I know, I know. He is actually one of the original founding pastors with John Ireland. He is the original worship director that Brian and I got to join 24 years ago, and he married us 23 years ago. So, you know, there's some, there's some credentials there. Yeah, just a little history. So welcome, Chuck Weiss. All right. Good morning, everyone. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to Mark chapter 9, and you can find that on your uh, iPads or phones or however you guys do it nowadays. But I want to say good morning, Ocean Hills. It's so good to be with you here on this Memorial Day. Um, I had a father that served in uh, the Army, and my uh, father-in-law flew in D-Day in a Hellcat, and uh, this is a special day uh, for me of remembrance uh, of them, and I'm sure there are many of you here as well uh, that, that have some that have served. Let, let's bow our heads and let's pray, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this church. Thanks for that worship, Lord, that can recalibrate our hearts and our minds to uh, hearing and seeing you clearly. And Lord, thank you for those that have served. Thank you so much, God, for the men and women that have sacrificed themselves uh, on, on behalf of, of our country and our freedom. And we just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, now, Lord, we pray that you would uh, open up our hearts and minds to hear from you in hopefully a very powerful way. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, like Casey said, I had the privilege of being uh, the co-founder uh, pastor here at this church along with Pastor John, Natalie, and Shannon. And truly, it was one of the greatest moments of, my, uh, of our ministry life uh, with my family. And your pastor now has been here going on 25 years. Can we say thank you, God, for Pastor John today. Can we give it up for him? What a great guy. But as you can see, you also have people that have been here for 24 years and, and people that have been here. Can we thank God for the staff that you have here at Ocean Hills? Give it up for them. They're so awesome. Well, currently, uh, I am the executive director at Mission Springs Camps and Conference Center up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. How many of you have been to Mission Springs? Can I see your hands? Or heard of Mission Springs, okay? Well, this summer, uh, we're, we're uh, turning 97 years old, and this summer, we have over 2,000 kids that are coming to Frontier Ranch, uh, and God is up to something at Mission Springs. Last summer, we saw over 600 faith decisions uh, at our camp. Camp, and we're praying that God would do it again. I, I'd ask you for your prayers too uh, as we move into this summer. But if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to jump right into Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and we are currently in a series called Mild to Wild. Now, a few years back, I had a mild to wild dream. 
How many of you ever had a very vivid dream and it like shook you, you woke you up? Can I see your hands? You've had a wild dream like that? Not a, and this one that I had, it wasn't a horror dream or anything, but I'm going to share with you what it was. Uh, I was with my little daughter. She's now 25. Uh, Grace, she leads worship at a church called Twin Lakes up in the Santa Cruz area. But at the time, she was a little girl and we were at an amusement park together. And um, I remember taking her in my dream. I took her to this ride, and it was a very simple ride. You, 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 you put her in, and basically the ride would go up, down. That's all the ride was. And so I remember I took Grace, and I put her on the ride. I buckled her in, and all of a sudden I looked around. I was the ride operator in the dream. And all these kids were there, so I put everybody in uh, on, onto the ride, buckled them in. I went over to the lever, and I went, and the ride went up, like that. I then got on my bicycle, put on my bike helmet, and I rode two miles away to a church meeting. And I'm sitting in this, this church meeting, and I'm looking out the window, and it is like a gale force wind blowing. And I went, oh, the kids. And I remember I got on my bike, put the helmet on. I am riding against the wind now, trying to get back to this ride that I put them all on. I remember I was going in slow motion. I got to the lever, and I went, and they all came down and all of the kids had turned into adults. <laughs> Let's pray. No. <laughs> I, I went like this. I woke up. I mean, it was so vivid. And I don't normally do this. I, I, dream, I have lots of dreams. I, didn't, I don't normally do this. But it was so vivid. I said, God, do you have a word for me? Is there something you're trying to speak into my heart on right now. And it wasn't like God boomed his voice or whatever, but inside my head, I heard these words, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention right now to your family. You're not paying attention to what you're doing at church right now. You're not paying attention to your health. You're not paying attention to your marriage. And as a dad, and, and it was just so loud and clear that I remember just saying, Lord, oh, you're right. It was just truth. It wasn't, he wasn't condemning me. It was just truth telling. It really was what was happening in my life. I wasn't paying attention. And God got my attention that day loud and clear. And I could say to you today that that was a defining moment for me in my life. And God can speak to us in dreams. He, you see that through scripture. God can speak to you and I uh, through creation. God can speak to us through godly teachers. But God can also speak to us when we slow our RPMs down and, and we, we uh, take a time out and, and maybe go away for a week, a, a day, to a camp or a conference for the purpose of seeking God in his heart and his wills for our lives. And so I, I've had many, many people say to me over the years, what's the purpose of camp? What, what, what's the big deal about camp? I'm an executive director of a camp. What's the purpose? And here's what I've come up with uh, over the years now. It's a very simple equation. It's going to come up on the screen. And, and what I say to people is every person needs a change of pace. 
Every person needs a change of place. And when you get that change of pace, and when you get that change of place, you're setting yourself up for a change in perspective. And every one of us, we periodically, in the rhythm of our lives, we need to press the pause button. The RPMs are going too fast. We're getting burned out. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are, okay? And we need to press the pause button. And there's times we need to get away. We need to go on vacation. But I'm saying also we need to maybe go on a retreat, a conference where the sole purpose is for us to get in front of God and to hear from him, to be refilled. And I want you to look at Mark 9. Because in Mark 9, Jesus knew his disciples needed a change of pace. He knew that they needed a change of place to receive a fresh perspective of who he is. And so in verse 1, Jesus says, truly, I tell you, some of you, he's talking to the 12 of them, some of you standing here right now, will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God that has come in power. Verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He didn't take the 12. He just took the three of them, and he led them up to a mountain where they were all alone. Jesus took Peter, James, and John on a retreat. They went up onto a mountaintop, and they were with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knew they needed a change of pace. It was it brutal. Their pace was just brutal right now. They needed a change of place. They needed to unplug. And when they got up on top of this mountain, they had a change in perspective of who Jesus really is. Mark goes on and says, there he was transfigured before them. In, in verse one, you have the promise. Some of you, some of you sitting here will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God. James, Peter, and John got to see that. They got to experience that. And then verse two is the fulfillment of this promise. Look at verse two. Jesus is transfigured before them. Now, when it says Jesus took them up on a high mountain, um, I literally got back from Israel on Thursday. I was over there on a 12-day pilgrimage. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm so tired. So this is going to be really fun today. But I, I, I uh, was over there, and some people would say that the mountain they were talking about was Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor uh, is a rounded shape uh, hill in the Galilean region. It's about 1,900 feet from the bottom of the floor to the very top. And there are mountains all over the region in Galilee. And I think the one that Jesus climbed up with his disciples was this one. And it's called Mount Hermon. It's the highest mountain in Israel, 9,232 feet above sea level. And the reason I think this is the one, because just a chapter earlier, it says Jesus was with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. And in Caesarea Philippi, at the base of that mountain is Mount Hermon. That's the mountain I believe he took them up onto. In verse 2, it says he was transfigured in front of them. Now, this is a very interesting word because this word in Greek is metamorpho. What does that sound like? Metamorphosis. There was a metamorphosis right 
in front of them. There was, it wasn't just a change in appearance. It was a change in essential form. It's like the caterpillar in the cocoon. The caterpillar is in there. And then when, when it breaks forth from the cocoon, it, it, it literally has a change in form. And so get this, Jesus right in front of them is breaking out of the cocoon of the son of man and the curtains are being open and they are literally seeing the son of God in glory. You, you know that song, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? And it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Jesus, the glorious son of God, was veiled in flesh. He was God in a bod. That's what I like to say. He was God in a bod and he walked among us. He was the son of man. But at this very moment up on Mount Transfiguration, it's like the curtains were open and the glory of the son of God was shining forth. Some people would say, wow, that's a miracle. I would say the greater miracle is he wasn't walking around shining all the time, but he was veiled. He was God in a bod. One night, this little boy was um, being put, to da- put down, put to sleep. That's horrible. But they, mom, mom was, I'm tired. Mom, mom was putting the son down to sleep. Is that what we could do? Okay. And, and mom is sitting there and praying with her son. And when she's ready to leave and the son's afraid of the dark, afraid to be alone, she says, now remember, honey, Jesus is with you. And he says, okay, mommy. And she leaves. And three minutes later, mom, and she comes running back in. He says, I'm scared. And she says, well, honey, I just told you, Jesus is here with you. And he says, I know, mom, but little boys like people with skin on too. And in, in a sense, that was Jesus. God is, you know, uh, the spirit and you can't see God and this and that. But God took on a bod and dwelt among us. And when Jesus took them up on the Mount Transfiguration, uh, Mount Hermon, he went from the Son of Man opening up the curtains and shining through was the Son of God. It was the first time that they had ever seen him. Look at verse three. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach. This is the best laundry mat ever, okay? And listen, when Jesus was transformed before them, his glory, his very essence reflected not from without. See, a lot of times we think it was this bright sun shining on him. It was reflecting from within going out. And it was this bright glory, light. And they were, they were sitting there and they literally, in Matthew it says, they fell backwards. This retreat went from mild to wild like that. This was life-changing. Verse four, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah pop into the party. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Why wasn't it Abraham? Why wasn't it Noah? Why wasn't it David? Uh, Why Moses and Elijah? Well, Moses was the lawgiver and Elijah was known as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He represented the prophets. He was calling people to return to God. So Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. And the bottom line, Moses and Elijah representing the Old Testament are now pointing to Jesus, 
the Son of God, the Messiah, that we are to listen to him. Look at verse 5. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. You know, I love Peter. I love Peter. Peter is a ready, fire, aim guy right? He's a doer. He, 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 he just says stuff. And, and here he's saying this and he, he's saying, Lord, um, should I make these feast of tabernacles? One for you, Moses and Elijah. Why tabernacles? Because the feast of tabernacles represented this. First, what God had done in the past by taking the Israelites out of Egypt, but it's also what God is going to do in the future in the kingdom. And Lord, should, should I build a tabernacle? And here's where Peter makes two mistakes. Number one, he's up on the mountain and, and, and he's seeing the glory of Jesus. And here's, here's Elijah and Moses. And he's saying, let's just stay here. Have you ever gone on retreat? How many have been on a retreat before? Can I see your hands? Okay. And you're on retreat and you're going back on Friday and it's Thursday and you're going, oh man, I wish we could just stay here. Have you ever been like that? Or you've been on vacation, you're going, man, can't we just stay here on vacation, right? And Jesus is saying, no, you need a change of pace. You need a change of place and perspective for the purpose of going back down the mountain to be a part of my mission. Here's the second mistake. Peter put Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Moses, Elijah, Jesus, you're one of the great ones too. And in Hebrews chapter one, it says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And that's why God is saying to Peter, James and John, listen to my son. You've listened to Moses and Elijah your whole life. Now the final word is through my son. And so when you hear a person say, you know, I think Jesus was just a, a great teacher. I think Jesus was just enlightened. You're making the same mistake as Peter. They're not on the same level. Jesus is the son of God. It's as if the entire Old Testament is pointing to this very moment when Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah, our savior would come. Look at verse six. Peter didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. And you know, when you're frightened, you sometimes say stupid things. Now, there's a general rule that when you don't know what to say, what should you say? Anyone? Nothing. A closed mouth gathers no feet. Okay? And Peter stuck his sandal in his mouth. I do this too. That's why I love Peter. Look at verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love Listen to him. Verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And Matthew has the exact story. Matthew adds that when they saw Jesus, they fell backwards. Did you already show that picture of them? Did you already show this picture? Yeah. So they fell backwards. This is like from the gospel of Matthew. And it says in Matthew that Jesus went to them, touched them and brought them back to their feet. Verse nine, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone that they'd seen the son of man until the son of man had risen from the dead. 
They kept the matter to themselves discussing what rising from the dead meant. Verse 11, and they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Verse 12, Jesus replied to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected? And here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, Elijah has come. And they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. Now, Elijah, past tense, Jesus said, represented who? John the Baptist. And that fulfilled that prophecy. Now, what's classic is as they come down the mountain, the classic thing is they're confronted with a crisis. There's a little boy with epilepsy and he's trying to throw himself into a fire and the apostles that were down there, they didn't know what to do. And it's so classic. Have you ever been preparing to go away on a trip or you're on the trip or you're coming back from the trip and right when you come back, there's a leaky faucet. There's a, a crisis at work. There's a, a, a relationship that's fallen apart. And everything up top on the mountain, all of a sudden, it's like it gets snapped away. But here's the thing. The bottom line is this. You and I, we need to press the pause button now and then. We need a change of pace. We need a change of place. Why? So we can set ourselves up for a change in perspective. We need to go up the mountain sometimes to unplug, to get refreshed, to get refocused. We're not meant, though, to stay on the mountain. We are to take what we receive there and get back into the mission that God's called us to. So what do we do? Okay, that's a great story. What do we do? How do we apply this to our lives? Because here's what I know. That same transformation that happened to Jesus, Jesus wants that transformation to happen in your life and in my life. He wants you and I to experience this fresh touch of him on a regular basis, the love of God in his power. So how do we move from mild to wild? Great question. How do we have a change of place? and a change of, of, of pace in this life-changing perspective. Jesus gives an amazing verse uh, at, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's up on the screen. And Jesus says this, Seek first God's kingdom and all his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom. And this morning, I want us to look at four different ways where you and I could put Jesus first in our lives to set ourselves up for this change of perspective, okay? And some of you are saying, well, Chuck, I've tried this before. I mean, I've tried to put God first in my life, and it never seems to work. Here's what I know. Everything that is worthwhile in life is uphill. Everything. You want good health. You want a good marriage. You want to be a great parent. You, you want a, a, a vibrant spiritual life. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. But here's the problem. Most people have uphill hopes, but they have downhill habits. We have downhill habits. And the way to break the downhill habits we have to be intentional with our lives. We have to be intentional. So let's be intentional to do first things first, to have a change of pace, change of place for a change of perspective. We need these four first things in our life. And the first one is this. We need to put God first in our day. 
first in our day. I want to encourage you on a regular basis, a daily basis to seek God. The first of the day. When I get out of bed in the morning, get the coffee, I have a chair that I like to go to. It's my change of pace, change of place. I could just rush right into my day, but I pause for about 30 minutes and I get in my chair with my coffee. My dog Zoe sits at my feet and you all know dogs are Christians and the dog sits there at my feet and, and I have my time with God. Let me ask this question. Who here are morning people? You, you get up in the morning, you just love it. I'm, can I see your hands, you're morning people? Okay, these are the people, when they get up, they say, good morning, God, right? Who here are not morning people? Can I see your hands? Okay, these are the people, when they get up in the morning, they say, good God, it's morning, right? It doesn't matter when you meet with God. Meet with God when you're at your best. It doesn't say in the Bible you have to meet with God at oh dark 30 at 5 in the morning. If you're at your best at nighttime, meet with God then. If it's at lunch, meet with God then. But put God first in your day. For me, my habit has become in the morning. And uh, Mark one thirty five. I love this verse about Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark... Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I want you to think about this. If the Son of God made time with God each day, the first of his day, don't you think it would be important for us to do that as well. So I want to encourage you to do this. And you go, well, what do I do? I have a little journal thing, and I know John's probably talked about Lectio 365 with the church. That's something I'll do now and then. Right now, my practice, I'm trying to read a psalm a day, just one psalm a day, I'm just going through the psalms, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm just asking God, God, what, what do you have for me today? Who am I meeting with today? God, would you go before me today? Put God first in your day. Second, we put God first in our week, and that's worship. The first part of your week, make the corporate worship of God in the church a priority for your life. Look at Acts 20, verse 7. In the early church on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Now, they didn't come together and do a little potluck. They came together and they worshiped together. They prayed together. They encouraged one another together. And they heard the word together. And here's the deal in North America today. A recent study's out, 48% of Americans who are regular churchgoers attend once a month. Once a month. And, and when people come together once a month, you're missing out on things. It's not a, a healthy rhythm. You need that change of pace and that change of place every week that you can come to gather with other believers together. I'm telling you, friends, if you want to have radical change spiritually this year, this is something that maybe you want to incorporate in your lives on a regular basis, meeting as the church on Sundays. Now, there's something that happens that will set up the course of your week, that, that as you're gathering with other believers, you get encouraged, you hear God's word spoke, you, you worship with this incredible band. band. And for our family, when, when the kids hit sports, uh, they were getting into um, the, uh, basketball and, and club soccer. My boys came to me and they said, Dad, why do we have to go to church? You know, we want to be on the road traveling with our friends. And this is what I told them. I said, guys, if I'm a pastor or not, 
Why songs go to church? That's just what we do. When you're 18, if you want to unplug, you can do that. But right now, this is just what we do. We make it a priority. Why? Look at Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. You and I need other believers in our lives that will encourage us. Let me ask you a question. Who here needs a little bit more encouragement in your life. Can I see your hands? Who? Are, I mean, okay, three of you, great. Okay, <laughs> most of us, right? And the Bible teaches when we meet together in worship in small groups, we are to encourage each other in the faith. So the first of the week, we're gonna worship God. The, the first of the day, we're gonna seek God. The first of the month, we're gonna serve God. Look at this verse. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You know, to have a change of pace and a change of place, one way is by serving. You're getting outside of yourself. You're not always focused on you, but you're saying, I want to give myself away. And you know, may, maybe you know this, but Ocean Hills, are you ready for this? You might want to clap on this one, is the number one church in the country that is supporting World Vision with Congo kids and fresh water over in the Congo. You're the number one church of giving. Is that amazing? So let me ask, how many of you have run uh, in the marathon? Can I see your hands around the room? How many have ridden the bike? You've done that and stuff, okay? Okay, you could have stayed at home and watched Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune every night, okay? And just, you know, that's, that's just your way of life. But you decided to, you know what? I'm gonna prepare, I'm gonna get ready for this, I'm gonna run, and you did it, and you raised money, and you made a difference. You had a change of pace, that change of place, and you had a new perspective of what's going on in the world. Ocean Hills has all sorts of ways that you can get involved to serve. I'm gonna invite up uh, uh, Lila right now. Uh, Lila and a team went on a mission trip over spring break. And I just wanted to ask you just a couple of questions um, that, uh, uh, where was, oh, over spring break, you could have very easily gone to the beach, hung out, right? But you decided to go get sweaty and dirty and um, be in Mexico. Why did you guys cho choose to do that? We get asked that question a lot um, in our community because we do take a whole week. Um, we've done it now three times. Um, Ryan and I have made it a priority, not just for us as a couple, but for our family. And I'm gonna rely on an author that, actually, um, this is the book that I took to Mexico this year. This is Dominic Gilliard's um, work that really helped me frame why we do this. Mm. Um, and for us, it's, it, in, as Santa Barbarans, in a place of privilege in the work that we have the privilege of doing here and the community that we have the privilege of raising our kids in, um, part of that privilege is that we don't have to look outside of ourselves or our life. Um, but we're choosing to follow Jesus and be transformed by um, not just walking around um, our neighbors. Um, Gilead compares that to walking ar the choice of walking around Samaria. Hmm. We want to follow Jesus, and Jesus goes through Samaria hmm. um, and into hmm. Samaria. And if you're not familiar with that story, basically Samaria represents all of those places um, where it, we don't we don't want to look. 
We don't want to look because there's pain or suffering or we're afraid or there's violence or oppression or it's dirty or dark and we don't want to look. And we have the privilege of, of not looking. And so as Jesus followers, we're choosing to go to East, East Tijuana um, to visit our friends there and see what God is already doing there. We're not, we're not bring, we are bringing Jesus with us, but he's already there as well. Mm. Um, and I want to share a quote from Dominique Gilliard because it really helps um, sort of describe this in a much, but thank God for authors. They put our words so beautiful, or our ideas so beautifully. Mm. Um, and for me, this, this sentence says it all. We go to recalibrate our vision. Mm. And you already prayed for recalibration mm. this morning. Mm. It is, right? We are swimming in a, in a crazy soup here um, in California, in Santa Barbara, and we get acclimated to the soup we're swimming in. And so um, to get out of um, our city and to get out of our daily lives and to go recalibrate. And he says, we go to recalibrate our vision, to learn to see our disinherited sisters and brothers as family, mm. as people we are inherently connected to, and as equitable image bearers. We go to commune with our disenfranchised neighbors to learn from them because they have vitally important things to teach us. Mm. And to begin re, this is my, my other favorite line, and to begin reimagining life together on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Our presence in stigmatized spaces when we take this posture demonstrates that God still hears and responds to the anguished cries that arise from those who suffer. We therefore go to and through Samaria or Eastern Tijuana to show God's love, to learn how to effectively advocate for our forsaken neighbors, and to hold systems and structures accountable. That's so, why my family goes. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Let me ask you personally, though, how did changing up your pace and the place, going there, how has that given you a fresh perspective yeah. of God and his mission to you in the world and all that? Yeah, I think that we do have to get out of structures that we have in place in our lives and uh, routines we have for our families because hmm. we can get blinded. We hmm. can get acclimated to the super swimming in. And so hmm. to be able to um, physically, you know, drive through the border, hmm. to physically drive along the border, to go into someone else's space, to be welcomed so generously into that space, I mean, it just transforms through conversation, through conversations with our kids. Um, as we're moving through these different spaces, conversations with our God family, conversations with the God family of Tijuana and what they have to share mm. and, and teach us. Mm -hmm. And all of that breaks down assumptions we have, breaks down um, old ways of being that are ill-fitting, that maybe someone else from another culture can, can shed light on. And, mm. and all of that is, is part of that kind of transformative mm. breakthrough process. So are you going to go again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Can we thank her? That's awesome. Yeah. So that's first of the month. We serve the first of the year. And that's not the first of the year, but sometime during this year, I'm going to challenge you to be intentional to going on a retreat, to going to a conference. And here's what I know. Mild Christians rarely take the time to break away and connect deeply with God.
and slow down and breathe and focus on their main relationship with God and with others. Look at Mark 6, verse 30 and 31. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And Jesus said to them, he's saying this to you and to me right now, come with me. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, who can relate to that? Man, life is so busy. Our RPMs are revved up all the time. And if you and I don't take a break now and then, we will break. That's the bottom line. We need a change of pace. We need that change of place to position ourselves to receiving a fresh perspective of God. You may know this. John and I, for the last 16 years, have gone away with six other pastors. It's called the Pastors' Roundtable. Once a year, we get away together. It's for fun, but it's deep devotion, prayer. Did I say fun? So we have a lot of fun, and we do all sorts of things on this, and it is so life-giving. Last September, John asked me to go on a two-day silent retreat with him, okay? How many of you know John? You know him pretty well. You know he's not an introvert, right? And so John asked me to go on this. I'm not an introvert either. I'm getting ready to walk out the door, and my daughter Grace goes, you're going on a two-day silent retreat with John Ireland? Right. You guys aren't going to be able to be silent at all. I leaned into that two days of silence and it was so life-changing and life-filling for me. Um, this week uh, on Thursday morning, I just returned from Israel. I went on uh, my own spiritual pilgrimage. There's a group up in Santa Cruz. We did this trip together. <clears throat> it was a trip of a lifetime for me. I was baptized in the Jordan River. Um, I went to Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. I went to the tomb where they think Jesus was resurrected from. It was so life-changing for me to pull away, to unplug, to follow the Lord on a spiritual pilgrimage. And friends, I want this for you. I really do. That you would put Jesus first in your day, that you would put him first in your week, that you would put him first in your month. And one time during the year, you would be willing to say, I'm going to unplug, and you got a plan, and I'm going to get away to a retreat or a conference. Mission Springs has family treats you can come to, but so does Mount Hermon and other camps and stuff that are already done for you. You could just show up and enter in to get a better glimpse of who God is. Look at the big idea of the message. If you want another year to go by having an inconsistent, ho-hum, mild spiritual life, then do what you did. But if you want to experience life transformation, you have to do what has never been done. I I'd never been to Israel. It's it was a bucket list for me. And now that I'm back, the Bible has gone from black and white to living color for me. It's amazing. And I want that for you. And I hope maybe this year you will take the challenge to go on retreat, to go up the mountain, to have that change of pace and that change of place and receive that fresh perspective of who Jesus is. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, thank you so much for Ocean Hills. Thank you, God, for a difference-making church.
Uh, thank you for the worship that is led here by Casey and Brian and the team. Lord, that they, it's so very focused on you. But right now with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you this question. You've come into this place today. I don't know where you're at. It's kind of the end of the school year. Some of us might be a little burned out and tired. We're ready for summer. But let me ask you this question. Who here would say, I want more of a life transformation relationship with Jesus. I want more of him in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. Just all around the room. Yeah, I want more of this life. Lord, I, you see these hands. Lord, uh, I don't know where the, anyone is coming from. You do. But I would pray right now for my brothers and sisters in this room that, God, we would take this message seriously. We don't want to be in a mild relationship. We want to move into a vibrant relationship. And I pray today that, Lord, you would move into our lives and you would give us a fresh perspective of your love and your power and your victory that we can have in our lives. And right now, there might be some in this room, you've come into this place and you're going, I've actually never experienced this life transformation. I know about God, but I don't know God in this way that you're talking about. I've had a religion with God. I've never had this firsthand relationship with God. If that's you today, you come to this room, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. Why not pray this prayer from your heart silently as I pray out loud and invite this living Jesus into your life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, just pray silently from your heart and, and I'll pray out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your light. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Would you cleanse me up from within? Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again from the dead for me. And thank you for giving me eternal life. Lord, I pray for that person in this place today. As they prayed that prayer, I pray, God, they would sense your presence in their lives today. God, you love them. You have a great plan for their life, a great mission for them. May they find their purpose and their mission in you. Lord, we love you, and I just pray you would continue to put your hand of favor and blessing upon Ocean Hills Church. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.